And with that, we welcome you back to another episode of the One Giant Podcast. As always, I am Adam Armbrecht without Andy Makowitz on this Wednesday afternoon. He'll be coming in flying solo as well, taking a look at five keys to a successful offseason. And you can just imagine with where the Giants have gone, some of the information that he may be trying to tie into the offseason that Big Blue has had thus far. But for myself, I just wanted to come in here and give everybody a little bit of an update. We obviously know there was a couple of signings here over the past week, uh, and then the free agency period essentially is all but done right now. We, we highlighted on the last episode how we think once you get through the draft and teams have kind of figured out where they stand in terms of depth at certain positions, you could see some veteran players getting cut, and that could also free up some opportunities, not just for the Giants, but teams around the league to look out there, see guys that have maybe come to the market and make some of those value signings before you head towards training camp. Uh, Listen, obviously, uh, with currently what we have going on uh, all around the world, let alone the country, we're not entirely sure what things are going to look like another month from now and whether or not we can expect the New York Giants to be heading to training camps and getting the facilities back opened up uh, with his off-season programs getting underway. Nevertheless, as of right now, the modified draft that will not be held in front of a massive audience as as it typically has been in years past is still going to be going off over the same weekend as expected, and that means that we can start to look ahead at what will be our second-to-last mock draft. I think what we're going to do is, uh, following this episode and then Andy's, we'll come back in most likely on Friday or over the weekend, and we'll go ahead and lay down our post-free agency mock draft, see how Andy and I match up, or as I would suspect, probably disagree in a couple of key areas, and then we'll we'll lay one out maybe on the eve before the draft kicks off later this month. But it is April, and, and as I mentioned, the Giants make a couple of additional signings. Austin Johnson, formerly of Tennessee, defensive tackle, has some ties to the coaching staff. Giants go ahead and bring him in. It obviously just gives you a little bit more depth uh, on the defensive front. And when you take a look at the roster and knowing with Tomlinson, guys like B.J. Hill, there's either one of two things when you start to look at even uh, McIntosh, you can throw him into the mix there in spite of basically all but disappearing this past season. You are going to be talking about the potential of guys that are coming up on contracts in the case of Tomlinson or young rookies that have been drafted and trying to evaluate them and make sure that they should be a part of the long-term future. And if not, it's always nice to have an extra body in there. And if, if Johnson comes in and is able to impress this coaching staff and carve out a role for himself, it could ease the blow of having to let uh, maybe one of the higher talents like a Tomlinson move on or potentially one of the, one of the players in a Macintosh and just knowing that you still have depth behind them. Additionally, really, when, when you think about it, you know that you gave Leonard Williams the franchise tag. A lot of people thought that that was just going to be the precursor to working out a long-term deal. Uh, I'm more of the mindset that this is a placeholder. You get to next offseason, he hits the open market. If I understand things correctly, it means that the Giants are also going to be in line for a compensatory pick should he sign with another team. 
And I, I, you know, at this point, it kind of feels like that's going to be the direction it goes. I know some people on uh, social media, Twitter specifically, have been talking about the idea of maybe a midseason trade with him. But again, unless things are going completely off the rails this upcoming season, I really wouldn't anticipate the Giants moving Leonard Williams at the deadline because it, the only way that happens is it means that things are going terribly. You're a three-win team. You're sitting there at three and four, right, before ahead of the trade deadline. That's not going to be a time where the Giants are going to look to be giving away assets, right? Unless you're sitting there and you're saying you're 0-7, at which point things have really, like I said, gone in a terrible direction for this for this team who feels like they've done some things in free agency to put themselves back on the right path here. Uh, more than likely, this is a team that wants to be competitive, wants to be battling in and around 500 throughout the year, and you'll take the value that you get from Williams and then worry about the next phase of this rebuild once this season is wrapped up and you see what you get through the draft and some of these free agent signings that you've already made. Now, additionally, beyond Johnson, uh, the Giants also did just sign uh, Casey Kreider. And this is just a long snapper signing. Uh, we all know that uh, Zach Diossi retired this offseason. So he's been there with us for so many years providing that role. And, and this may be that kind of footnote uh, signing that you don't really think about when you evaluate a team. But it's always important to have these guys on your roster uh, to make sure that you're going to have a quality set of hands to handle those kicks, punts, all those snap, all those snap procedures that you need. And then if you think about Zach Diossi, he also did a nice job of getting downfield on special teams as well. When you think about Joe Judge, knowing that he comes from that special teams background, you'd like to think that something that really was a strength for us this past year, past couple of years, can continue to grow in that vein. And so, you know, signing like Ebner at safety, well, he's going to be that special team guy that you need to have there. Uh, likewise, for Kreider, contributes on special teams, obviously, as a snapper, but then maybe can also be a guy uh, that has an impact beyond the initial start of those plays. Now, Really, when we talk about any of these other moves that are going to happen here, it's going to be a wait and see. One of the things that the Giants did do was restructured a couple of these new free agent contracts. It's going to end up hurting them a little bit uh, in terms of some dead cap scenarios down the road. But in the short term, the Giants went ahead and freed up a little bit more capital. And I think you know the rumors are... Are the Giants still monitoring Marcus Golden's situation and the possibility of him returning? Now, we've already talked about it, Andy and I, the offseason, the free agency period, and, and how the Giants addressed a lot of areas of need. But what they haven't done yet is talk about the edge rusher position and getting after the quarterback. With the draft a few weeks out, obviously... We can sit here and think, well, if the draft goes well for them, they are going to have some bodies in the door, but there's no guarantee. And depending on how the board falls, obviously, depending on what they do at the fourth overall pick, that's going to dictate what they need to do in the second and third rounds. So there may not be a, as many opportunities to get yourself you know, a Taylor out of Tennessee. A lot of people are pointing at Zach Bond in the second round. I don't know if he gets there. If he does, I don't know if his value is worth that high second round pick. And I also don't know where the Giants are going to look to go uh, in these spots as well. Andy and I have, have batted around some positional values and, and when you need to look to address them in the draft. But organizationally, if you, if you think you want to go offensive line, and that doesn't mean just the tackle, it also means that center position, that could be where they end up looking in some of those first few rounds. So freeing up this cap room means that maybe 
as Marcus Golden has not seen necessarily as strong a market as he would have liked, he could be a candidate as a player that waits out the draft, then teams see where they land, and then he becomes someone that everyone could start to kind of go after if they didn't fill that need in the draft. My thinking might be, from a Giants standpoint specifically, I think most teams around the league, and the Giants are probably somewhere in this realm of saying, we'll see what we do in the draft. But now that Marcus Golden didn't get that 10 to $12 million a year offer when free agency first hit, the Giants may be able to go to him and give him a more team-friendly option. Maybe they would think about even offering a three-year deal as opposed to saying, well, we'll bring you back on a one-year $10 million. You can reboot yourself for the free agency market next season, not unlike what Jadavian Clowney is probably hoping to do for himself as well. Maybe you do give him, you know, 29 years old, you can give him a three-year deal that that effectively is represented as a two-year deal. But if you're talking about six or seven million a year versus 10 to 12 million, that's a lot more reasonable for the Giants. And I, I again, I, I've been in the conversations on Twitter about this, and you can follow us on Twitter at One Giant Podcast if you're in the mood. Uh, we're getting into some really great conversations with other New York Giants outlets. It's never about who he is as a player. I like him as a player, but it's a combination of age, the value that you're getting out of the contract you're going to sign him to, and ultimately, I don't know if, you know, those 10 sacks, I think, are as much a product of who he is as a player as it is about how the defensive front occupied the offensive line, what the other linebackers were doing, and sometimes it's just the benefit of being in the right place at the right time. Does it mean that Marcus Golden is a bad player and that's a total fluke? No. But do I think that you can sign him to that 10 to $12 million a year deal and lock him in for eight, nine, ten 10 sacks again? Probably not. So it'll be interesting to see if the Giants can get him in the door on a more reasonable deal or if, like much of the league, they'll wait out through the draft. And that could ultimately still benefit Marcus Golden, where he could have a number of suitors that maybe have a little bit more desperation around bringing in a player like him if they don't address those needs like they may want to. A couple other things that are out there right now before we get out the door on our little update here. There's been some some sleeper discussions in and around the draft. Bleacher Report just put out a great article kind of highlighting some of those players throughout the draft that that could be potentially, you know, dark horse candidates that you'll look back at the end of the season and say, "Wow, what a steal." If you're a Giants fan, you you think about Darius Slayton and say, "When we drafted him, I didn't really think much about it, right? 5th round, 5th round selection on a wide receiver." You know that we wanted to bring in some talent there and you start to watch some highlights and you think, okay, maybe he could do something for us. And then once he gets on the field and really starts to make an impact, especially down the stretch, you realize that you've uncovered something that I'm sure Dave Gettleman would like to say. I knew it all along, but until you see that product on the field, you just can't be sure. You know, Andy and I have gone back and forth with some of our our players that we're interested in. One of the sleepers that I'm big on is uh, Reggie Robinson III out of Tulsa, the cornerback. Some people mock him as a safety, and I think that almost benefits my case for him in the fifth, sixth round area when you can be talking about a player that can flex back to the safety role or down into a cornerback position based on personnel and what you want to run. We've also heard that the Giants are in discussions around Julian Love and where they think he's going to best be suited. Are you going to leave him back there at safety? He excelled when Peppers went down, but he was in Peppers' role. 
maybe getting another player that has flexibility in terms of where you can line them up just means that you're going to have this great group of players in the secondary that can rotate, can line up maybe in the nickel or dime packages, can get sent back there deep based on down and distance. So it could be a valuable asset there. But one of the guys that they highlighted that I thought was worth mentioning is Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, the wide receiver. The reason why is I was just about to excitedly break the news to Andy that even though I am a huge fan of Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, one of the things that I that I felt like I had to do, and I'm doing it across a lot of these positions, is taking a step back and saying, okay, th- there's a there's player there's a player like Chase Claypool that I really like. And I'm starting to figure out, well, would it be worth it to take him in the second round? If the Giants traded back and got a couple of picks, if he fell to the third, you know, if he's in there in the middle of the third round, would you package up to go get him? But in order to to confirm whether or not he'd be worth a second round selection or worth packaging, and I'm not saying that, that, that I'd be in favor of that, but you start to look at some of the other prospects as well. And when you get down the list, a guy like Tyler Johnson really does a lot of solid things on the field, and he's the kind of guy that you can be talking about getting much later in the in the draft. He's only 6'1", so he's not exactly, he doesn't have necessarily the height, and the, one of the things I loved about Chase Claypool is just that he's 6'4", 6'5", he's going to be a huge red zone target, one of the things that the Giants lack and would like to have more of. But at 206 pounds... You know, Johnson gives you competitiveness, tax the ball at the highest point. I think that you're going to get another, I don't want to say scrappy because I think it under it undervalues what his skill set is. But I, I think I think what you can what you can get is just another quality receiver that also offers flexibility because you can put him on the outside or he could also potentially line up in the slot. And what that means is that if you wanted to say when you're running sets and you're rotating receivers and you want to put Slayton and let's say Tyler Johnson on the outside and allow Golden Tate to work out of the slot, allow Sterling Shepard to work out of the slot, you know, allow a guy like Evan Ingram to come off of the line of scrimmage. He can flex to the outside as well. We start to think about as the Giants maybe add a couple of offensive weapons in the draft here. What is this offensive system going to look like? And having players of versatility on either side of the ball really just gives you tremendous flexibility to know whether or not a guy needs a couple of reps off, or if you just want to be constantly dictating to defenses how they need to try to defend against you, not adjusting yourself necessarily to what they want to be forcing you into. So the versatility that Johnson could offer within our receiving core is, I think, something nice. This is a guy, again, you know, he's starting to get a little bit of buzz. So, I, you know, fourth round is probably the latest that you're going to look to see him go. And I don't know if the Giants, you know, third compens- third round compensatory pick, would they consider it there? Maybe. The other reason that I bring up a sleeper like that is not just because I want to make sure that people understand that I kind of, I had my eye on this guy. I know the Bleacher Report is going to put it out there, but uh, I was involved. The other thing, if you're following a lot of Giants outlets on Twitter, is Pro Football Focus came out, and they're they're taking some slings and arrows, and a lot of it is coming from Giants fans, and I think that some of it's justified, some of it may not be, uh, but you know, Andy and I had talked about the way that they track stats, and you know, when you go in there and you look at the ratings for the past season, one of the biggest uh, examples of this was Nate Soldier. Doesn't have a terrible Pro Football Focus rating. 
And yet, if you watch week in and week out, if you see the sacks that he gives up, what time of of the game does he give up some of these pressures? You really felt like a true fan, you know, fans that are watching this team could see that he's just not playing at the level that you need your starting left tackle to play at. And yet pro football focus numbers just don't seem to quite align there. That's the one element of it. So there's, you know, there's been some, some disconnect there between how they're evaluating some of the talent. The other side of it is though, they come out with this mock draft where they say, basically they, they, they suggest that the Giants should be taking at number four overall wide receiver Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama. Uh, listen, the, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I need to go into why this seems crazy, but the real reason that it feels crazy is that when, they, when you break it down, Andy and I just talked about this, right? He asked me, if the Giants were to take Jerry Judy at fourth overall, how would you feel about it, right? We were batting this around. And ultimately, once you get the guy on your team, you just assess what the talent level is. But we also both said, right, what is the likelihood? Very slim chance that the Giants would go for a wide receiver, Jerry Judy, let alone Henry Ruggs at the fourth overall pick. But the logic behind it for, for pro football focus was saying that that they don't know about Daniel Jones because he hasn't thrown to a legitimate set of receivers. And I just don't know. I don't know where that's based on. I don't know how you can say that that's how the organization looks at Daniel Jones. I also don't know how you can look at the receiving core. And we know right last year, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate with the suspension, right? A lot of issues in that wide receiver core from a health standpoint. But when healthy, when some of these guys were getting on the field, you started to see how Daniel Jones and them were building their rapport. We saw how Slayton was taking that next step. Is this a top five receiving core? No. But as we've highlighted time and time again, and by the way, Pro Football Focus highlights as well, even though it's a deep wide receiver class, it just feels like you need to get that cachet so you can figure out if you have your franchise quarterback and frankly I don't I don't think that most Giants fans look at Daniel Jones and think the jury is still out on him it we can you can debate about what you think his career is going to be and whether or not he's going to be a top five quarterback in the league year in and year out going forward as he progresses through his career but the bottom line is the Giants know that they have their quarterback this is the guy that they're going with for the foreseeable future so that if that's your premise you're already operating at a false logic. And that's maybe, and maybe that's all that it is, right? If you start off saying, we don't know about Daniel Jones because he hasn't had a chance to throw receivers. You've already seen enough from Daniel Jones, regardless of who the wide receivers were last year. You've seen enough, you know who he is. And you know that if at some point you get in some more talent in the wide receiver group at the tight end position, depending on what goes on with Ingram, etc., you know that he can only get better. He can only grow from there. So, this is one of those things, and highlighting a guy like Tyler Johnson, highlighting, as we talked about, Chase Claypool, there, there's a number of other wide receivers that you can look at in the third, fourth, even fifth round that can come in, and based on what their skill set is relative to what we currently have on the roster, can be a fantastic contributor, can can fill out this depth chart at that position, and give Daniel Jones more than enough weapons to operate with. So this is one that I'm sure Andy and I will talk about again at some point. But I was a little bit flabbergasted by it, if I'm being totally honest, because the idea in, in, in the hierarchy of positional needs that the New York Giants are going to have, wide receiver 
you, uh, let's run through the list real quick, right? Let's say that they need an offensive lineman, and you can say center, left tackle, whatever you want it to be. And obviously, they're not going to go center in the first round or anything. But you have offensive line needs, you have edge rusher needs, you have needs of safety, you have a need at center, and then you can say you have a need at wide receiver. But arguably, if you were to go through the first four rounds, no trades, everything goes straight forward, and the Giants got an offensive tackle, a center, a safety, and a an edge rusher, excuse me, that'd be it, right? You'd be checking off those boxes of what you needed for this team. And if it was the the one or the other of getting the offensive tackle that you want or getting a wide receiver... 99.9% of New York football Giants fans are going to tell you the offensive tackle is what you want to get. 99.9% of of analysts are going to tell you that the offensive tackle is what the Giants need to get. Do they need to get more weapons? Certainly. Is there plenty of opportunity to do so in this draft? 100%. So it's going to be interesting as these mock drafts start to roll out to see where a lot of people are going. As it stands right now, everyone really... There, you got a high percentage that is about saying that Simmons is, is the pick there at four, and you start to look at the top of that second round and think about the offensive tackles that you can bring in. We already mentioned this perspective on the last episode about if the organization has confidence in Nate Soldier, at least in the short term, that theoretically they brought in Fleming to compete with Gates on the right side. You'll still have depth in a swing tackle, and you have... Spencer Pulley there, you're going to have Jalapio coming back off this injury. Maybe you look to bring in a center at some point in this draft, but left tackle, that's something you hold off on and you wait for next year's crop, whether it's through the draft or free agency, to bring in someone to replace Nate Soldier on the left side. That can be reasonable and you can go Simmons, but the reason why you can go Simmons is because one, he's easily one of the top two athletes in this entire draft class. He addresses a serious need for you in the, in the, on the defensive side of the ball. He offers you positional versatility and you're not going to get the same value from that position in this draft class in the second, third and fourth rounds. While I may love Jerry Judy or, uh, you know, or rugs, I don't know that I'm not going to get that same value later in the draft. And, that, and that's one of the things that we have to always be considering. So as the offseason moves on, a lot of other uh, outlets are getting their mock drafts up and going. Andy and I, as I said, are going to be coming back in with our second to last mock draft where we talk about that positional value and making sure that you're filling the needs that you that you absolutely have to get locked in coming out of the draft in a few weeks. And then you just think about evaluating that talent going forward. This one kind of blindsided me. I'm sure Andy was actually, I, I know for a fact, because he's the one that sent me uh, the, the first post about it and just wondering, you know, listen, it's dark times, right? Maybe the fellas of pro football focus just got a little loose with their logic here. That'll do it for us on the update here. A couple of key signings in the door for the Giants, just fleshing out that roster, making themselves stronger on the special teams, certainly giving themselves a little more depth on the defensive side of the ball. We came around on the idea that they have done a nice job getting better, raising the floor, raising the floor up on uh, the depth chart for this team, and hopefully that translates into a better product on the field in the upcoming season. You can, as always, follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast. Head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the One Giant Podcast. We will continue to be diving in on some of these 
players and, and potential prospects there in the draft. And as I mentioned on the last episode, starting today, April 1st, it is it is no joke. I'm going to be getting back on to Sportscaster. And the opportunity there, which is really nice, is that I can take a player like, say, Tyler Johnson. You head over there. There's going to be a 10 to 15-minute breakdown just on him, on what his value could be, and how he could impact the Giants roster. I'm going to be doing that for a ton of the prospects in the draft. Andy and I may get on for a couple of dueling video conversations as we head towards the draft as well. So if you're looking for just exponentially more content in these uh, sports-free times out there, head over to Sportscaster, excuse me, One Giant Podcast, as always, will be the name to find us under, and you can expect to see multiple breakdowns coming up there on a daily basis all the way to, during, and following the NFL Draft as the New York Football Giants look to right this ship. That'll do it for not us, but just me. Stick around and keep your eyes and ears open for Andy Makowitz as he'll be talking the five key points to a successful offseason. That EP should be dropping on Thursday, and then we'll be back at the end of the week with our mock draft. I finally did it. I broke Andy down. He has no choice. It's mock time. And as our good friend said, let's go Big Blue.